Stromstag, and uh, today is um, Eileen's um, only leave of absence, but I'm here and I'm joined by Alex Lee Moyer, the director of a film, okay, let me get it right, uh, TFW, no GF, that stands for uh, that feeling when no girlfriend. It's um, an experimental documentary, I guess I can call it experimental, but I would say, I don't know, sad young <laughs> men, basically guys who are very, very online and basically have almost no social life outside of their online community. And um, most of them are unemployed, live at home. And uh, I don't know if they identify, but I think in different reviews, they're kind of referred as incels, which I'm not sure right Alex if if that's even relevant really I think it's like a utilitarian thing for people to say that because I mean just just now like you had like a hard time explaining it and I have even a, I've even had a hard time explaining it in the past so I think people just sort of started doing it out of like a utilitarian way just so people had like some kind of a cultural reference point for it mm-hmm. and but really it's more about sort of like the the irony culture surrounding things that are adjacent to maybe like the idea of like incels or whatever. But um, I think it's mostly just about um, a subculture of extremely online guys. And more often than not, they're fairly isolated in their, Mm -hmm. in their um, real lives. And it's just sort of a look at maybe some of the socio economic underpinnings of that yeah of course oh and um, i didn't say for those who don't know incel incel stands for involuntarily celibate yeah well okay i found i found the documentary even though i mean i i've been online like at least half of my life i'm 30 now but a lot of the terms i didn't know and for me like all the acronyms were kind of new a bit hard to follow but i found it kind of fascinating and um One of the things immediately um, kind of uh, that interested me is that uh, some critics clearly, Washington Post, I don't remember which publication clearly didn't like it, that you have this completely non-judgmental kind of approach to to, you know, to filming them, to to just the characters. And um, I just wonder how how that came about. So how did you get to know them? They clearly very 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 comfortable around you and uh you are seems like clearly sympathetic and um yeah so how how did it come around because it's your directorial debut right it's your first film as a director so that's clearly intentional Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's my first film as a director but um i've been i've been editing documentaries for a long time um and so i sort of felt like i got a really good education on directing docs just from basically dealing with everybody's like raw footage for (laughs) Mm -hmm. years you know um but with in the case that's like the question that i get the most is about um how i established relationships with the subjects in the film and like the short answer is that like um they're my friends like I befriended them <laughs> like mm-hmm. I but I actually but before I even knew that I wanted to make it into a film I was already sort of had kind of gone down that rabbit hole of like um stumbling into that subculture or like at least for me as an outsider discovering it 
um, being female and being older than them. And, um, but I just really was fascinated and the accounts that I was most fascinated by, I thought, um, I just wanted to get to know them better. Mm-hmm. But I immediately, again, as an outsider, like identify that there was like a, a sociological phenomenon happening and that the media was sort of reducing it to like young men being like angry or like, you know, potentially like violent or mm-hmm. like, you know, being, you know, probably racist or misogynist, but like kind of overlooking just the sheer number of people in this subculture. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. like it's just, was so massive. And I just thought that being reductive, like wasn't really being helpful. And that, um, you know, if it, it, that there weren't, it wasn't all negative because if it was all negative, like why would so many of these young men be attracted to this, um, this subculture on the internet to begin with? Um, so I just wanted to acknowledge the humor and, the sort of weird like camaraderie that they have and the new model of um, community and friendship, but even maybe like in more negative cases, like the gang mentality of like trolling. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I just, I just reached out to the people that I liked and then my friends um, in the film world sort of convinced me to make a film about it just cause they were like, what the, what are you talking about? Like, is this even like a thing? Like, are you okay? You know? Um, and so I asked people and a lot of people said no. And some of them said yes. And that's how it got started. You mean some, like you found some sort of uh, DP who would follow, um, you know, would, would go meet with you, the guys, right? So you, you, you had yeah. a sort of a crew, you were not fully alone. Oh, no, I was alone. Mm -hmm. I was, I, I mean the subjects. So Mm -hmm. like the subjects, they, they didn't, they were really suspicious and they just, they didn't necessarily want to be in a movie, like in some hit, another hit piece about like incels or something like that, like understandably. So, um, I, I, but most of the people I asked agreed to it, but I think that's because they knew that I kind of like was picking up what they were laying down. Um, um, but with regards to the crew, um, I, I, I pretty much, I did half of the shooting for the movie totally on my own. And if you watch the movie, you can really kind of observe that like the quality of the filmmaking kind of jumps like halfway through the film. And that's because like I eventually did get like a shooter, a secondary shooter, but I still shot, you know, I shot the whole thing and I edited it and I directed it. And Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases I was there by myself. We didn't have a sound guy. I would bring a one person crew and, um, for the second half of the shooting and he would kind of do everything that I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. And he kind of took some weight off, but yeah, it was a lot. It was weird to like initiate to, to him and to producers, on the film because there ended up being like a hundred because like this mon- this movie like you know obviously didn't really cost much to make and it was made with a lot of small donations from a lot of like kind of producers who were like really just friends of mine but like initiating people to it was sort of an interesting practice um, mm-hmm. no I, li- I actually like the kind of almost sometimes off the cuff like look and feel of it so I, it's not definitely any and not a downside at all. Yeah. At least for me, I think that was part of the sort of gritty 
um, yeah, gr- greater kind of sensibility. Well, I just wanted it to feel like you were hanging out. Mm-hmm. Because that's what was happening. I was just hanging out with them. I was like, this is my friend. I'm going to meet my friend from Twitter. And like some, and like, it's not like, I'm going to meet this person and I'm just going to hang out with them and I'm just going to film it. And we're just going to talk. That's it. It's a bit like, you know, reminding me, but, but more interesting because it's not, it's not a fiction. It's a bit like kids, but there are no girls. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That was, that was one of the references in the pitch deck. Um, for sure. Like the Harmony mm-hmm. Corinne energy yeah. has like always like really, um, it really got ingrained in my, in my mm-hmm. subconscious as a kid. Um, and I remember kids because it was the first NC-17 movie that I ever saw. And I remember it was oh. like a big deal if you could like go and watch kids. Cause yeah. like I wasn't 17. I was, I was probably like 12 when it came out. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, that I always liked the idea of like the bad kids or like, you know, decline of Western civilization was another yeah. big, big touchstone for this. Or even like, you know, people recently have even brought up like Paris is burning. Like, mm-hmm. I just oh, like, I, like that mm-hmm. I, I just like the idea of um, the outsider and like subcultures. And like, that's always that's always been a major theme in my life and something that I'm that I'm interested in. And at this point, I felt like in the the mainstream now like who are the outsiders and i thought these guys are the outsiders yeah but you know at the same time it seems like again incel is too a reductive term some kind of like online term but it seems like it's like a way wider phenomena as you, you probably kind of notice too do you think it's connected because most of your character friends i don't want to call them characters um in the film are like that they're living very kind of suburban environment which already creates uh, even when they were younger i guess creates this kind of enemy and uh, you know they're not almost like properly socialized because of because of those of that environment they don't you know they don't live in the real like city it, so I, I wonder if that's just also kind of the darker side of you know of american lifestyle that i guess not everyone affected by it but a lot of people are affected by it and then this is the online kind of life makes total sense if if the suburbia is all you have i don't know is there that yeah i mean there or it's not really Mm -hmm. i think it's a little bit more nuanced than that because i wouldn't really consider them suburban i think that they kind of you know, and they don't, they don't all live sort of out, they don't all live that far outside of the city. Like, like, you know, Kampot lives in the middle of New York city, although he's not really like, a, I don't treat him as a character in the same way as the other people in the film. He's, he's more, more of a commentator, right? Yeah. He's like. more of like the Grecian chorus, right? Or, the, mm-hmm. or like the sort of the, the narrator figure. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's not so much that they live in the suburbs because I think of the suburbs as still sort of being like sort of thriving and sort of alive in the United States. They almost live in this place between they live in like sort of the rundown fringes sort of outside of, of cities, right? Like, Mm -hmm. or the cities that were once thriving that are now kind of, um, the hollowed out working class, right? So mm-hmm. the working class in America, formerly, you know, they would have been towns where they would have worked in, you know, some some blue collar job or some trade. But, you know, 
that's not really a thing anymore. That's already, those industries are either going overseas or they're automated. Um, and besides that, um, it's just sort of like, um, almost like a void of something that used to be there. Like I think of that sort of exists outside of these like larger, these larger cities, but like, mm-hmm. a, you know, um, like, like El Paso or like, you know, the boys in the, in Washington live, you know, sort of in the rundown sub industrial suburbs outside of, um, Seattle, you know, um, where you can really kind of no longer afford to live because, you know, the tech industry has taken over Seattle. So you're sort of thrust out into these industrial sort of areas. But even more important than that, these people have sort of adverse um, family situations and, 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 and struggle really deeply with poverty and the, and their parents um, are absentee for whatever reason. And they grew up at a time when the internet was still really in its, um, in its, in its infantile sort of stages, like in the grand scheme of things. And so like 4chan, for instance, was something that they all had access to as kids. And it sort of became, they became autodidactic through basically like exposing themselves to like any manner of like any kind of information, good Mm -hmm. or bad, Um, from a young age when their parents were like kind of checked out. So then that's sort of who became that. And, you know, their parents also like either allowed them to drop out of school or weren't able to keep them in school or they had um, learning disability, autism spectrum type things is pretty common too. So they have so much in common, (laughs) you know, um, it's much more than just the five people in the film. They sort of come from, I mean, frequently, you know, kind of blue, more blue collar families, right? They kind of belong to a certain class collectively. I think it would have formerly just been the middle class, but, you know, the middle class has sort of been hollowed out in America. And now a lot of people live at home. And of course, that's very common. And that's another thing that I get a lot from people, especially people from Europe and stuff. They're like, oh, they live with their parents. Like, big deal like that's super yeah. normal. Well, I'm Russian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's super normal like everywhere else, but here it's like a total departure from like, you know, I'm like an older millennial, I guess. Like mm-hmm. I'm you know, we used to call my generation generation Y, but now I guess I'm just like an you know, ancient millennial or something. <laughs> What's like, ancient millennial? What's well, the uppercut? It's gen- I never knew. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the cutoff is 1982 now and I'm 1983, so I mean okay. that seems like a pretty No, you're old- a millennial. Yeah. So, um, but in, in Gen Z, it's just, um, it's just totally, the priority is totally shifted because you don't have to go out into the world and like make your individuality or like make your mark in the world. Like, you Uh know, I moved out of my house the day I turned 17. Um, but they don't need to, they don't, not only can they not afford to go to college, but they don't want to go to college. And the, all that they need to exercise influence in the world, and in fact, the only channel that they have to exercise influence in the world is through um, their flu- their fluency of like uh, online culture and, and being online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. But also, okay, that's for instance, that 4chan. Did you know about 4chan? Did you hang out there before you got interested in the community? Is it like, or is it totally kind of marginal place for, I don't know. 
Well, for like boys. It, I would say that especially back then it was for, for boys. I mean, I always knew about 4chan, but I I was never on 4chan. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't grow up using 4chan. I didn't use 4chan. I've never really used it. But um, I through, through getting to know this mm-hmm. group of people, I, I understand the lineage of like, these are all people that came from 4chan Got and it. ended up on Twitter as they became older. And now 4chan sort of passed its prime and it's just, and now there's like 8chan, but that it's, it's rife with like, you know, the actual, I mean, it's still Lord of the Flies. There's still like, um, it's not, it's not, it's sort of a, it's, I don't know, it's sort of a negative space, but it's also the kind of the cradle for like meme culture as we know it, mm-hmm. even for, you know, all the memes, all the, all the meme classic memes come from 4chan and, and, mm-hmm. and even now it's like, that's where you get your, that's where the new shit comes from. And then I, and then like, you know, a month later you'll see it on like fuck Jerry or something and it'll be super mainstream, but that's where it starts. But there's also, yeah, yeah. go ahead. No, it's so, no, I just want to say, yeah, it feels like creative and it's sort of, um, selfless in a way that, um, you know, no one gets paid for being that creative even when then it goes mainstream. So, right. So it's sort of like unbridled. There's something interesting about that type of creativity and and meme. And and if you say it all comes out of 4chan and that community, they, they really not compensated at all for that. That's just interesting. But that's the beauty of of capitalism. Yeah, yeah, of course it's a beauty, but it's like basically outside of capitalism forces (laughs) that exists. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're doing it for each other in the beginning. Like they're doing it as like, they're doing it as a way to like express. I've always said that it's like, a gallery of like folk art, you know, like the, the mm-hmm. meme, the memescape is like the new folk art. And like, yeah. that's the way that people can communicate with each other, um, kind of universally is like through with these images. And it's been interesting to see like, you know, what, so I use Wojak as like the primary focus of the film. And, you yeah. know, there's a lot of memes and they come and go, you know, and like, especially they come so fast now that like, you know, today I posted a meme that like somebody showed me like two weeks ago, but I like felt self-conscious about posting it today. Cause I was like, this meme is like two weeks old. Like I can't believe this is a stale meme. But like oh, the thing about Wojak and it's a little bit the same with Pepe is that they, they're like legacy memes, right. That like kind of mm-hmm. persevere and kind of take on new permutations all the time. And, and for some reason that meme, like really, really, really speaks to people um that's interesting it's for me it's all very new i don't know i I thought i'm like very online but turned out not enough to fully know it and i got started looking because of your film into it and the whole pepe versus wajak thing is super interesting i'll just clarify real quick wajak do i say it right yeah wajak is this kind of like bold uh, sad looking guy who um basically signifies like shows um the kind of the what is it like the internal kind of lonely life of those those boys you're showing of those guys yeah. and Pepe is more of an external kind of like troll uh, also representation almost like the other side of Wojak uh, when he's like online and more <laughs> I don't know on the attack that's Pepe more yeah. sardonic and active and kind of like aggressive and Compot, right, that's kinda, right. Mm-hmm. and Compot delivers his his now quite well-known 
monologue in the film about this, about the duality of man being represented by Wojak and Pepe. Yeah, that's Um, super interesting. But I immediately started thinking about like Fight Fight Club. It's almost like... No, it, it's uh, something. Sure. It's I like know, Lord it's of the Flies. Banal. It's like Fight yeah. Club. It's pretty. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like Edward Norton <sighs> Wajak turning into Pepe Brad Pitt, like yeah, that kind of thing. Totally. Oh my god. I mean, god. it's that. No, like you're there's totally, that element. You're totally right, and I love to hear your pronunciation of of Wojak because yours is probably as an Eastern European closer uh-huh. to the original pronunciation of Wojak because he actually surfaced originally on. Um, well, he became popularized in 2011 on, uh-huh. um, uh, because he ended up on 4chan. But before that, he had been making his rounds in sort of the Eastern European message boards. Oh, so he's originally Eastern European. Yes, like, he's actually he's okay. actually Polish, but Polish. I, it sounds Polish. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, but um, he's so just, then okay. Yeah. The pronunciation wise, then I'm pretty sure then it's kind of je, like probably Swarjak. Yeah. <laughs> I just I would think if and it's his Polish. name his name came from the the guy that originally posted him. That was actually his user name, and nobody mm. knows who made him. And no, and a guy came forward on 4chan like in twenty. 20- 14 or something and said, I'm the creator, but nobody knows. He's just, and in a way I felt guilty when I made the film while I felt, I felt like you were just talking about, I mean, the, the meme scape is totally up for grabs. There's no intellectual property there, but I thought Mm -hmm. like, wow, I mean, in one way, this is like genius that I have all of this pre-existing content to work with and I can just use it however I want and nobody's doing it nobody mm-hmm. I mean people are going to be doing it more and more now because it's because it's so trendy but like um no <laughs> I was like this is like it's like a I was like a kid in a candy shop like I can just use all these images and like for free <laughs> for free yeah. yeah but I did try like I did end up like I paid a lot of people that I didn't need. I'm not like virtue signaling either, but like I mm-hmm. made sure to like pay people when I could to use their stuff, even though I knew that I didn't have to just because mm-hmm. I felt like um, without their contribution, like the film would just be another piece of like crap, you know, that mm-hmm. didn't really get it. So I owe my authenticity to to, to some of those people like Prince of Zimbabwe, yeah. um, and, you know, like Egg White and Shooter, like I made sure to try and take care of them because, you know, you're right. Like they're just making they're just making art kind of mostly for free. <laughs> What's cool now is that a lot of these guys um, and not because of the movie, but just because of the way the, the, the way the economy is now, these these people can set up Patreons and then they can actually like make money off of like being themselves online which i think is really cool this is great um except that well patreon can like deplatform you if they if they really don't like it don't like you so it's like there's like a weird feeling it's private property you know but that's but that's besides the point it's great that people can really support themselves this way but you know what i want to like pull out for a second out of like this like detailed kind of like online discussions because i had all these other kind of concerns um you know about the wider the wider oh, kind yeah, of implication sure. of this, of course. you know, and also I wonder if it's also me being Russian. I, I have probably like a slightly different perspective, but anyway, one of the things 
I was thinking about, which, you know, is very visible generally now online and this kind of in the woke culture is that, you know, a lot of people are suffering economically, not only young white men, you know, it's clearly like kind of down. <laughs> I don't know what. Absolutely. It's a pretty bad crisis for less than years and now COVID, whatever. It's pretty bad. People know it outside of like upper middle class or upper classes. But specifically, uh, this, I think this white young men suffer more than others, um, partially because it seems like the um, kind of like this cultural currency that victimhood, victimhood has, you know, does not at all spread to them, right? Because it feels that um, pretty much, I don't know, a lot of people can claim victimhood and be sort of, um, people will be sympathetic to them and they can kind of flaunt their victim identity if they are many things. I don't know, I don't want to say <laughs> anything wrong they can be like um, people of color oh, I know, trans I know. and all, all all kind of identities that okay yeah that, that are legitimately i guess historically or whatever been victimized fine but then the one of the only groups that c- cannot claim any victimhood in the in the culture where victimhood has this currency it's this group the ones you kind of focusing on and i think there's something kind of psychologically pretty fucked up that happens in that case because mm-hmm. then it means other people suffering are legitimate which i admit of course they are but this th- this group suffering is somehow completely like normal to laugh at disregard and just kind of saying like i don't know you white men men up oppressor and all that while majority again of them are no Weinsteins they're no oppressors they have no economic power over people no I don't know they generally no power at all so there's some kind of weird I think fucked up psychological thing that's happening with like they're demonized right and at the same time completely just disregarded so there's something bizarre even though everyone is suffering, these people are suffering somehow completely not valid. Do you, do you feel that's, yeah. you know, within a cult, you know, in this, I guess, liberal culture does that? I'm glad that you touched on that. Um, yeah, because a lot of times in these interviews, like, and I've done like so many of them now, like the whole time is like really spent with like me like trying to like defend my them. <laughs> defend them and defend my motives for making the film first off I don't want to say that I feel like their suffering is is you're right in that it's unique but I, I don't know if they are necessarily like suffering more just inherently because of who they are or oh no or not, not more not yeah. yeah, not more. I don't know if I was articulate enough. I'm saying they're not suffering more. It's just like since their suffering is it's, completely it's not to be, it's disregarded, it, you know? It's ta- not, only, not only is it disregarded, but it's taboo. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be lying if I said that the taboo factor of it wasn't like my own sort of mm-hmm. like low-key troll because um, I, I wanted to make this movie because I saw people that were suffering. But not only that... It doesn't matter if you and I, like, as women are like, oh, you know, they're suffering. Well, yeah, uh, it's true. But in the movie, they're not, they're not complaining. They're not complaining. Like, like, I kind of, I can't help it because I'm like a a really kind of like a, I have like a nurturing personality and I'm empathic, like, and, and maybe that, that energy like trickled over. But these guys, they're not 
they don't need you to know. It's not a cry for help. Like they want to, they act as a support group towards each other and they also build each other up. But also the worst, it's not just the woke culture that has made it so that they, their suffering isn't like worth acknowledging. And if you do acknowledge it, it's disacknowledging the suffering of others. And not only that, but it's taboo and it's, it's wrong and fuck them. I don't think that that's necessarily even a new thing. I think that the way that men are socialized, um, makes it so that it's not really okay for them to always talk about things or ask for help. Um, and that's what creates a lot of the sort of dis- disaffectation and mm-hmm. um, maybe some of the more toxic elements that then sort of seep over into, quote unquote, like mainstream society. And those negative aspects and that toxicity is the only thing that ever is acknowledged by people in sort of like um, like woke liberal communities um, mm-hmm. and they wonder like why are these like guys such like why are these guys misogynists or like why are they racist the truth is that like they're in a they're in like a bubble or like they're not allowed to they're not allowed to say anything or do anything except among mm-hmm. themselves and like you know it's it's sunlight is sort of like the best disinfectant right so um yeah it's a complicated issue and like i have like a you know i have like a women's studies degree i'm not like some you know like men's rights activist or something like that i just like (laughs) i as a part what i was and also i'm not into the whole victim olympics thing like that's something that i hate and so (laughs) i know who's the biggest victim here yeah i didn't make this movie to be like you guys no these are the real victims i wanted to (laughs) celebrate their subculture and i wanted to celebrate it despite the problematic elements about it because i mean i really wanted to to take something that should be depressing and make something fun out of it. That's what I tell people. I'm like, it's a fun movie about a depressing subject because I have so many friends that are like, I don't think I want to watch that movie. It sounds really depressing. And I'm like, (laughs) well, I knew it was going to be depressing. So I put an awesome soundtrack and like, I, and like I made it colorful and I made it as fun as I could make it so that you can just, so that you can just watch it. It's not even that long and you can, you know, now you know have something to talk about your little weird cousin who always looks at his phone at Thanksgiving next year, you know? Yeah, you almost like in a way kind of like shed light onto them. It's like there's like a level of exposure, which I don't know, with other people um, in that community. I mean, not the ones in the film. Do they appreciate that? It's an, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I got a lot of letters. I got a lot of like some guys made YouTube videos. I had guys write me and say, and again, this is not, this is not me virtue signaling or doing something like that. Like I, I, a lot of people wrote me and they said, wow, this felt like therapy for me. Uh-huh. This felt really good for me. Like I felt like really seen and I felt amazing seeing these yeah. guys on, I can't believe that I saw Eggy in this movie or I saw like Shooter in this movie and especially like, um, you know, like they, it's a little bit of a yearbook for them because even now, like, God, 
so much has happened since the movie came out. It's like, you know, yeah. like Combat has said, wow, it seems kind of quaint now. It's like you think about last summer, like, well, were we worried about, we were worried about the Joker last summer <laughs> or, you know, or like last fall. We were like, well, you know, the media was upset because the Joker was going to come out and they like thought pe- they wanted people to like get shot or something. And now it's like <laughs> we're worried about like, you know, our Western civilization like collapsing. So, um, yeah. It, 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 but also Joker <laughs> turned out to be pretty prescient, you know, if you look at the practice. Uh, absolutely. And all. <laughs> it's absolutely. not just like... <laughs> It actually is happening to some and, degree. And if you want the really hot takes, like the real takes about like the shit that's going down right now that mm-hmm. are like the honest takes that you're not going to get anywhere else and you're not going to get them from your normie friends like on Instagram, go over to this side of Twitter because, you know, and some of it will rub you the wrong way. But like, it, you know, these people, <laughs> they call it like they see it, you know, and like sometimes they're wrong, but at least they've got balls and like a lot of people in this country, like they don't, they don't really have balls. They just like, I don't know. I just feel like people are just so guided by fear. And, um, but it's also very kind of hypocritical frequently culture. I don't know what connected to puritanism or what, or just the the way you can't, you know, you just cannot really express um, whatever is not within polite kind of society framework. You yeah. Know. And people think that like they're being punk, like they're people who were like counterculture that are like my age and now they're like adults. Like they think that it's like punk to like, you know, just like just regurgitate whatever they saw on like CNN or something. And I'm like, what? When did this happen? Like, when did everybody become like so like conformist in a weird way? But it's like, I. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going on tangents. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. But I want to ask you, cause you mentioned, uh, you say, Oh, of course I'm like, I'm no men's rights activist. Okay. I have this weird thing. Um, I've, I've been, um, it's been years ago and now it's kind of newly relevant again. Um, uh, there was this, uh, kind of, I think this was men's rights, uh, website, something like return of Kings, uh, by this kind of, <laughs> I guess they were ultra, either like ultra kind of angry man. Um, Their leader is this, character i think he's an iranian american rouge that's recently less than a year ago i think came out now is like totally religious and denouncing all this kind of like uh attempts that they pick up activity and like foul language towards women blah blah and all that but they had this crazy website um where you know it's almost like i don't know it seems like like much more bitter angrier Mm -hmm. man that now i would think probably can be also applied the term incels who are trying to teach each other or discuss some kind of like pick up uh, sort of techniques at the same time trashing women and who are i don't know if it was used back then i can't remember i think they might have used the the language this kind of terms chad and incel Uh because they call women you know chad chasers (laughs) Um, yeah yeah. So my, so I, this, your, your friends, basically your, your subjects, they're not at all connected to that. Right. It's like kind of like a false u- unity of them to any kind of alt-right or man's right. That's it, it, not well, even right. It's not even the same. I mean, not enti- they're not entirely see it's like a, it's like a soup, right? Like the internet is like the primordial is like a primordial 
soup. And like, if you think about like the evolution of like the big bang or something, like say like the internet, the beginning of the internet, it's like the big bang. And of course, then there's like the fish and then, but then like there's like invertebrates and then they get spines. And I'm not going to say the lineage, there's a lineage, right? And so like you just mentioned a lot of things at once. So like, yes, there, it started off, but the guys in my movie are mostly like 19 years old and 20 and tw- now or they're almost 22. So they weren't around back in the pickup artist days like a decade ago. And a decade ago was like a lifetime. Um, but a lot of those pickup artist guys then became like men's rights guys. But then that split off into like the manosphere, which is like pro man. But it's like getting laid, smoking cigars, like fraternity, return to like being proud to be a man. And then there's MGTOW, which is like men going their own way, which is more like embittered, like, you know, sort of like kind of like basement dwelling, like incel. But all oh, these guys are older. These guys are in their 30s. Then you have like um, incels, which which was actually started by a woman. That term was like a lesbian woman actually coined that term. And it was like, I think like a Reddit post or something. I think it's might have been before Reddit. But then it got picked up as a derogatory term for people to call these men's rights activists. And then the derogatory term was then sort of co-opted as sort of an ironic term by the people within that community as like a joke. Um, But then it was a joke, but then they were also expressing dismay at not being able to get attention from women, but not only that, not having any friends, not being able to like, you know, not having any money, not having any connections. Um, so, and then it's, it's, but the evolution is there, but these people as individuals, like you can make a joke. That's like an insult joke. And you could still be like a guy that like goes on Tinder and like gets laid and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the thing. It's all part of like, it's like, imagine you're goth, in the nineties or something like there's two kinds of, you know, I was goth in the nineties. Did I, I listened to like Danzig and like the misfits and stuff. Does that mean that I like literally want to like dig up bodies and like have sex with them and like drink people's blood and stuff? No, I don't. It's just, I'm goth. Like it's just all part of the mythos of it. But then at the same time, there are like weird, like Norwegian, like death cults that go and like burn down churches or like, there's like the Columbine guys like that went and like, listen to blasted KMFDM and like wasted a bunch of people at their school. Like it's all, it's all true and it's all not true. And it's, it's scary as a society now to parse all that out. You know, I, I know I understand your perspective. You don't want to do like kind of like chip generalizations or like, I, I, I understand that because you see it as a, it's kind of rich variety, but at the same time, there's, there can be some conclusions made because like when I'm like been um, kind of following or watching that manosphere or whatever, that um, return of Kings website. And now I found out the RDR film and just generally been online, you kind of notice things. There is this element of, you know, obviously there are this kind of somewhat a bit, bitter the presence of bitter young guys but they seem to kind of seek frequently almost like political solution to like a sexual problem 
right? I, I know it's not what you're doing with a film. You say you're just celebrating uh, the subculture and it's, it's not about that. But I think it's okay if other people see something beyond just the celebratory kind of art making that they definitely do. But so it's there's like a weird element of, you know, that, that just, you know, there's clearly some kind of sexual problem ha- going on or rep- something repressed, you know, and people aren't satisfied. But, um, but yeah, but it isn't that kind of weird, you know, since you've know about all this manosphere and man's rights, that there is like a, again, seek, seeking political solution basically to the problems that are ultimately, I don't know, are they are they like political isn't it something about socialization well, that went wrong and all kind of i don't know other things yes, that I mean, connected to personality problems the in, you know the internet fucked everything up is what happened so but there are people in my movie who so like all of that's true and actually somebody made a movie that's a little bit closer to to what you're talking about called the red pill mm-hmm. um and and it's about this woman who basically um, and I feel like a jerk and disrespectful that I don't remember her name, but she goes around and she talks to people that are formally in these sort of men's rights spheres. The guys in my movie would think that that was cringe. They would think huh. they don't associate with that. Like they think it's like they, it's totally outdated to them. I mean, these are people that like, they take everything in mainstream culture at, and what they perceive people to perceive them as, and they turn it on its head and they make fun of it. That being said, like some of these guys, like, yeah, they do struggle with being lonely, but they're also like in that awkward time between being children and being adults where everybody feels really lonely and it's really hard to get a job and you don't know who you are and people don't take you seriously, but they also don't coddle you. And then on top of all that, like you don't really have like a good family structure and you know, you're trying to find your place in the world. And the only place that you can find that accepts you is online. And you know, the guys in my movie, they're not even necessarily you know, so binary even like in terms of like, it's not like they don't, it's it's not like they hate women, but they think that it's funny to joke around about hating women because they know that it pisses people off. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not excusing that because it's pretty like, you know, like what happens with Charles and like the movies, you know, he gets red flagged for making like these kind of violent misogynistic tweets towards women. And then later on when the Joker comes out, he gets red flagged by the police and they take all his guns away. Well, you know, that's the least of the bad things that could have happened to him as a result of that. But and, 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 you know, we especially during that time last year before all like the mass shootings just magically stopped all of a sudden so that we could have like other bad things happen. Um, that was like a big deal. And like people had to parse out like what to take seriously and what to not take seriously. And um, so I I. I I'm saying there's basically this crazy Venn diagram and there's like some overlap with what you're talking about, but it's Mm -hmm. like it evolves so quickly. And I, I chose to focus on this very, very, very niche group um, of people who are basically like an amalgamation of 
all of these sort of fringe element, male, ele- mm-hmm. male elements in this moment. And already now it's, it's, it's passe. It's out of date. Like the, even to say that, like the word incel doesn't mean anything anymore. Um, it's just like a, bu- it's just like a buzzword. And, um, just, yeah, it's almost like used now either ironically or yeah, it, but I don't know if it signifies going back anything. To, going back to what mm-hmm. you were saying about the politicizing of some of this stuff, mm-hmm. I think what you're thinking about is like a lot of people sort of associate this group of people um, and they're not totally wrong because it's adjacent with like the alt-right thing, right? And like that happened mm-hmm. a few years ago and um, that's already completely passe too and doesn't really the alt-right doesn't really exist anymore um that's how fast things go so if you see a movie come out about the alt-right in the next year that's just some like stale liberal take on something that's not really a thing anymore but But where did alt-right go well it it diffused right so it started off like as soon as they made it started it where did it go it became as soon as the, the the mainstream liberal media grabbed a hold of it and like Charlottesville happened and mm-hmm. like made it into this popularized like, oh, my God, there's white supremacists and like there's there's these guys like it became uncool immediately. Like as soon as as soon as the like CNN becomes aware of like what something is or like law and order makes like an episode about like something, something that they saw online or like some, like it just gets, it's not cool anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how fast things move. So it kind of dissipated because there was like a lot of, it just, it got played out. And a lot of those people were trying to just like, get a rise out of people around them because everyone was so upset about Donald Trump getting elected that they just, you know, they just wanted to have fun with it. But they were like, well, we're not actually racist. We're not actually misogynist. We're just like being critical of woke culture. I mean, it's almost a response. Like the whole thing, if you really wanted to like accurately generalize it, it's just sort of a response to like liberal culture more than anything else it's reactionary it's a reactionary culture um no i i get it i mean yeah. i even i i very very much understand the sentiment because you know yeah the liberal culture is very <laughs> toxic even though they like to use that word against against other people but uh but yeah but you know one of phenomena i already see that it's like that doesn't really apply uh, i agree to to your friends to, to basically to the characters because i actually most of them are very eloquent not bad looking kind of pretty empathetic kind of kind boys i would say at least what's the outtake when you when you watch your film yeah, they're no angels but, but, they're no angels no, <laughs> but i know yeah. but just you know it's not what like the, <laughs> that it seems to be not the darkest kind of element of um of potential they're, online community at least they're not, <laughs> you know, they're, not vi- they're not violent and they're not mm-hmm. racist and those were the things that i was looking for because i didn't want to i didn't want to be having those conversations yeah I mean, it's important for someone to have those conversations, but the space that I occupy and like my life, like I just don't, I just like, I don't want to be defending. I don't really want to be defending things that people feel that mm-hmm. intensely about. I wanted to find a, like, I wanted to find these people that were relatable and with these themes that are older than, than just now, you know? 
Um, and I wanted to make something that a lot of people could relate with. And so, yeah, no, I understand. But there's one element that's sort of connected to incel, but maybe not directly to, again, to your friends, to the film. But I find it fascinating. You probably know about it. So the whole phenomenon of this supposed dichotomy in the online community of the Chad, the desirable man and the incels, the involuntarily celibate majority, yeah. according to them, uh, created this like weird, I think there was even an article, maybe, I don't know, six months ago about this whole phenomenon of a supposed incels trying to seek and actually probably go through with this like plastic surgery operations oh, I remember uh, that. to alter their supposed like unattractive incel faces into more uh-huh. chad like which is i guess what is it more bigger chiseled jaw i was reading about it kind of fascinating and uh, it, all this like little plastic yeah. surgery some sort of inserts into the chin I mean, it sounds funny if it wasn't as sad. Anyway, and all that stuff. And, you know, I kind of, again, everyone that that I kind of find the media response fascinating, not even the phenomenon itself. But basically the media response just laughs, laughs at it, um, derides them. Uh, There's no at all compassion. And to me, it was like so not different at all from any kind of other, let's say, body dysmorphia that everyone sympathizes and uh, defends. And I don't know. And and that kind of victimhood is always, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty like usually, you know. I don't know, well, <laughs> visible and kind of felt towards. Yeah. So and here not. And I and to me, it's like, well, that's exactly the just some other part of the same of the same problem, which is kind of dark. But why that's been laughed at and, you know, the same way they're laughed at in any other ways, because this is a group of <laughs> men, white men. Well, that's that's an interesting perspective, because uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I I don't think it's incorrect, but I can tell you how that story was perceived on our side of the, not our side, on their side of the fence. That, that was like a, that was a fucking joke to them. First of all, they don't know anybody that's done that. Nobody's doing that. And if a guy did that on that side of Twitter, he would just be like relentlessly teased. Like he'd be just totally decimated. Right. Like that's not Uh like a thing. It's not a phenomenon. And I'm sure that there are a lot of guys out there who have gotten plastic surgery to like look like they're chads or something. But those aren't the content creators on Twitter. Uh And they're not like the outspoken. They're not part of the. They're not like influencing anything. They're like outliers. And it's almost like like maybe they like the whole like Chad, Becky, Stacy, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that's years old. And it's like, there are people that still take those memes like to heart, like, you know, like Alec Manassian or, or somebody who like went and like ran over a bunch of people in Toronto. And he told the cops he was an incel. Like there are definitely people on message boards that are still taking that stuff seriously. And maybe they go and they get plastic surgery. But first of all, even the guys in my movie, they can't afford plastic surgery like that. Like um, nobody's paying for them. to Like it was just a huge meme. And anytime that the media has tried to talk about incels or, or like angry young men online or like online radicalization, they've gotten it totally wrong every time. And the, and they're just they're just creating more fodder for these guys to like troll them and tease them. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tried to touch on in the film as well. Um, and like, yeah, so it's it's funny. It's like these guys aren't really victims because they 
they understand and the way that they're being perceived by from the outside and they're manipulating it. They're manipulating the conversations that are happening about them. So that's sort of the interesting sort of dynamic, you know? I mean, you you have Donald Trump like re, like mentioning tweets that or retweeting people that are one degree or two degrees of separation away from people in the uh, and people in this film, you know, mm-hmm. like how crazy is that? So it's like <laughs> you, we can just we like you know. I mean, Donald Trump knows who Compot is probably. Okay. So it's like we we can make fun, we can say like oh you know poor them and like yes it's very true like you know like they don't they're broke and like everybody hates white guys and like all of that's true but at the same time that doesn't mean that they don't that they're like not like wielding power because they are it's just that most people most people even a, a few years removed from them or people who aren't online they don't understand that there's like an entire revolution mm-hmm. happening like right under their noses because they're too busy like when they're like real lives and their real jobs and their real stuff but but you know when you say i'm i don't know i don't want to sound like i pity them or anything it's not it's not the sentiment i, I want to uh, to come across but when you say oh but they're actually willed some power but you you mean specifically kind of very avant-garde group part of that basically you can call them almost like artists of of that um of that like online sphere of whatever that is like uh, forums or twitter and and that's like a tiny minority while they sort of stand for and there's clearly like almost like a pyramid right there's like a they mm-hmm. have a base <laughs> that yeah. might appreciate their humor and they do wield some kind of cultural power f- to some degree but people the base <laughs> they're not necessarily funny or witty or they're not cunt they're not necessarily well read and all those things right and and they are, are kind of this like blob of a i don't know there's there's something truly sad and you kind of by when you sort of deny mm-hmm. the existence of that you just talk about again the elite vanguard of you know of that online internet thing no. Yeah. And I think maybe just say, I think one thing that another, and so this is like, I don't know, this is like the 20th interview I've done about the movie. And every time I like, I try to like remind myself like, Hey, I need to talk about Wojak or one thing I always try to remind myself and I never do it is that this film, it's, it's really more about, and you saw the movie needs. The first definition that comes up, well, the second one is, is the word need, no education, employment, training or skills that's mm-hmm. what the movie's really about it's about a huge swath of american males and maybe even in the world because the the phenomenon started in japan that's where the term originated and it basically they had a lot of like young men opt out of society and of course now you have like the lowest birth rate in the world is in japan because people just said well why am i going to go and get a job or why am i going to go and do anything when all i need i mean i cut this line out of the movie but at one point kyle says what do you need you need a computer you need something to eat that's it that's all you Mm -hmm. need they're opting out of society Uh, they're dropping out and they're creating their own sphere so um you know just reducing them to 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 being incels or whatever i mean 
it's like, that's just like such a tiny part. That's just like such a teeny tiny part of like a huge, massive mosaic. And, and, and that mosaic includes people who are actually like, it's the subculture is maturing and becoming sort of, um, expanded and like now you have like red scare or something you Mm -hmm. know which is one of the biggest podcasts there is hosted by two women who are leftists and they're fully aware and are fully wielding like this the humor and the subculture that they've totally co-opted from this group of people and then in turn you know i've got like jonah hill calling me on the phone saying oh yeah like who I didn't know before, but he, mm-hmm. he liked the movie and he contacted me and he wanted to talk about the movie. And he's like, I heard comp on red scare. And like, I mean, it's, it's really seep. I, I, and I don't really credit myself for being like, so ahead of the curve. I, I think I just got really lucky and, and I was, I just knew how to be a filmmaker. And so I was well positioned. Um, because I started doing this in 2017, but I think it's really cracked into the mainstream in like um, a really influential way. And these these guys aren't going to just be like 18 year olds that live with their parents. I mean, that might have been where things started, but um, they they we need to be paying attention to what's going on because they're starting sort of like so you look at it as, as an intellectual like a- dissident kind of thing. Yeah, it's a little it's a cultural happening. Yeah, and, and so in this way, it doesn't matter. It's actually like why am I even focusing on it? I understand from your perspective, it's not about like getting a girlfriend or getting laid or whatever or being obsessed with that. It's completely not about that, right? It's sort of the natural occurrence of the fact that people aren't really allowed. And, you know, you have Sean in the movie discuss that men aren't really allowed to talk about how they feel. We live at a time, especially now, that's so focused on like what what divides us and you know like what's acceptable and like what's pc and what's not pc i i just think it's a natural evolution that these people become they feel so alienated they don't have anybody to talk to about the about the things that they actually think and the things that they actually care about and so it creates this rift and especially between like men and women like you know everything from like the me too movement to like the reassessment of gender roles and the reassessment of like binaries and like the you know like how how what's how do you talk to women like what do you how does the sexual economy work it's all i mean it's like no wonder they don't have a fucking girlfriend, you know? It's amazing anybody it's yeah. amazing anybody can find a partner at all. No, know? I get it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> and and again, from my perspective, like I don't I'm Russian, I'm not PC, I don't care, but there's that feel here that sort of women in the last, I don't know, how many decades or is it new, kind of can be whatever they want and men should accept whatever women want to be and adjust to that without saying anything and they're not supposed to share their any feelings as you say or any ideas or opinions on anything regarding gender relations and so yeah you're right I mean it's sort of a it's kind of bizarre it, women aren't even allowed to say what they think anymore it's like you know men especially aren't allowed to say what they think so that feel when no girlfriend that's about like it's not about having sex or having a girlfriend it's about not having a place on the in the world yeah. outside of like an anonymous online forum and like so many people are being forced like into that space 
for better or for worse, whether they're right or left. And like when we talk about these, it's it's so hard to talk about because it's evolving so quickly. And even now, now that we have like this huge, you know, protest movement and this like, you know, these race issues are coming to a head like they always do before an election. Um, like it, it's me and, you know, just all the conflation and the intersectional everything. It's like, you know, it, it's just going to keep going, f- being underground. But even though it's underground, it's it's going to just c- keep expanding. And, um, you know, it's it's sort of exciting to see, but it's also it's also a little bit scary because I think that if we could all kind of talk to each other, then we could kind of avoid a lot of um, violence and fear and anxiety that's become really pervasive. And so that's kind of what I wanted to do with this movie. Mm-hmm. But but we're not going to talk to each other if there's like internet and nothing else in, in the world left. So it's going to be this, you know, autistic kind of internet life, online life. So that's, Did you say autistic that's not gonna... internet life? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, because that's a big part of it too. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's happening. I mean, we always knew that the switch, we always, we didn't always knew, know, but like, you know, even, even like science fiction novels and stuff have been predicting this like forever. Definitely. Yeah. You know, Brave New World, 1984. I mean, that's, and I don't know if that's like a manifest destiny thing, um, or not. Um, but like it, it's it's definitely it's definitely happening and it's definitely hard to find ways to talk about it like there's just landmines everywhere like for me like now like no one's I've always just had like a small account and I've always just sort of been in the shadows a little bit and now people like follow me on Twitter and stuff and anytime and you know I know people from the film world do and like I feel so completely paranoid about everything mm-hmm. that I post because I'm afraid that like I could not have a future as a director if I say the wrong thing or if I frame so- or if I say the wrong thing on a podcast or if I frame something the wrong way or if I make a joke about something, you know, like um, it's a really weird time. But I also think that it will give birth to a more kind of openness. And what you said about you being Russian, I have I have some Russian friends and I've been over to to Russia a couple times and um, Russia's been through so much hardship and so much turmoil that the people there are um, they're sort of nonplussed with like um, all of these little trifles that like Americans are constantly freaking out about because yeah. they have like because they've already been been there done that and they have a really dry like sense of humor that is really like it's 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 they're not so precious you know Mm-mm. So yeah. maybe after America goes through its own little collapse and like revolutionary restructure, maybe people won't be so precious anymore. But right now I see people sort of tearing down a lot of these, whether we know it or not, we're sort of stripping our, our own freedoms away, um, which is, which is sort of hard to watch. But if that's, if that's what it, it's going to take to get back to like, you know, being able to have conversations again, then I guess let's just do it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, speaking of sci-fi, because uh, to me, this whole, you, you're totally right, this weird, like, 
online, what did you call it? Some kind of weird chaotic underworld. It more reminds me of um, any other books. More reminds me of Philip K. Dick's Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. Have you, have you ever read it? Oh, I haven't read that one, but I'm a huge Philip K. Dick so, fan. Oh, I'm, oh, you should. I'm like, I'm a huge fan because that's like, in short, it reminds me of Twitter. I'm kind of semi-new to Twitter, but I've been watching it. Uh, this is a story about, um, you know, when um, already, I think, I, I don't remember, Mars was colonized or something like that. And people... Uh, involuntarily, by the way, exiled there to live in this kind of like shitty environment, very boring and some kind of shacks. And uh, to deal with that life, they are allowed to uh, take like a weird drug, choose Z, basically a weird psycher, I don't know, like a, a really weird kind of new drug. And when they take it, they um, can almost like through the drug embody this little dolls. They have like weird dolls and dolls houses, like this whole other kind of like doll games. And when they take the drug, they almost like embody the body of the dolls. And then they all, uh, you know, kind of like live vicariously through the weird doll world, like a little doll cars, houses, some kind of weird, almost like Ken wow. and Barbie kind of thing. And, and that's what allows them to kind of even exist there because it's like horrific, you know, like colonization of this not a very friendly right, planet. It's like you're Do, disassociating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dissociating, but also like an avatar kind of thing, right? So let's say it's very similar, right? People have, doesn't matter what is it, Red 4chan or Twitter. <laughs> no, it's more like, you know, people have this like online personality that is it's not embodied it's not them they're almost like tripping and uh that's how they communicate with the world through twitter or fortune or whatever the hell can be anything can be potentially uh i don't know can be even facebook if you create a certain persona there that it's not really you yeah and so and that's how you communicate and that's your entire life and that's very much it's very much predicted i would say more like by philip k dick because of how geniusly insane he was thinking about this kind of weird plot yeah, yeah. but anyway that, that i think that's the, the closest and thinking like watching a movie I also thought about it just about all this internet lingo and this whole parallel of reality that has nothing to do with the body you know it's not about your body or moving your body in space you can you don't have mm-hmm. to move your body you can just kind of like right, right sit and you need a hand that moves a little bit to type <laughs> well that's kind of it's interesting i would i think that there's something to that i would say maybe though that it's almost like reversed and that people are actually having to do the the sort of escapist sort of repressive um persona or the false persona is the persona that they're presenting in public now. And in private, they actually are able to experience some form of catharsis or um, being able to express themselves in an environment where they don't have to worry about people coming down on them or people reacting to them. Like, I mean, there's so many things that like I would, I could, I could even joke about online that I would, that I probably wouldn't say in a real life scenario unless I was among like my closest like friends. So, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a little bit, I think that there probably is, especially maybe I know what you mean about that escapist thing. I see that is really predominant among women. I think like a lot of the ways that I see women acting, uh, I mean, I'm not dissing women at all, but like a lot of this, like 
kind of consumer culture or like, you know, this sort of OnlyFans culture or this cosplaying culture um, with women online and like creating this uh, glamorized persona of themselves with like, you know, the like with all of the the face filters and, you know, the the cartoony sort of mm-hmm. like that's definitely going on for sure. But I also think that, that there's real actual like free speech um, and like catharsis and like real talk happening that people can only do if they remain anonymous. And, you mm-hmm. know, I part, some of the time I wish that I did the movie under a, a pseudonym or something so that I could like really just retain anonymity yeah retain my anonymity yeah and like you know that's been one thing about this movie that has been also like really heavy for me to a heavy responsibility for me is that like you know i basically like face doxed a bunch of like a not formerly anonymous like young people from the internet you know and i've received criticism for that but i also think that in my defense like uh, that this we need these time capsules and we need these real representations of people in the big picture, like later on and that they've actually done it. Like maybe it's not been as convenient for them, but they're, they're grownups. They agreed to do it. They were brave mm-hmm. to do it. And like, I didn't want to be like, I wanted to be brave and put my name on it. And even though people told me not to, you know, and I wanted mm-hmm. to be, not not like I'm so brave or some bullshit, but I'm just saying like, I, yeah, I'm ready to like formally like dedicate myself to like clearing the air of some of this, like this, like this, like social kind of malaise because I just think it's really unhealthy for society. Yeah. No, you did, you did a great job. Yeah, it's cool that you put your name and face to that and it's not like done by... <laughs> yeah, and it's some... not like the best movie ever. Like, it's fine, right? Like, it's like my first movie, like you said, but mm-hmm. I I want to keep doing that. And I think that filmmakers should, should, should be brave and that, you know, the critics came at me like really hard in the beginning on this, like out of the gate, like mm-hmm. especially like the liberal critics. But then after the film had sort of had time to sort of be seen a little bit I the reviews started to turn around and it was almost like the reviewers were just review giving the review that they thought that they were supposed to give in <laughs> like order censorship to, right, right. Their own. but then by the time Peter DeBruge gave his thing in variety which was clunky and sort of boomerish like <laughs> or and then you know people actually started to like acknowledge the themes of the film in like a serious way and not be dismissive and but i'll tell you what um i can't find distribution for this movie and i can't get it yeah so like no one would necessarily proposition you like despite all the reviews and you know well i don't necessarily think it's like entirely political i'm you know like the covid thing happened and the film was supposed to show at south by southwest this is a little inside baseball, but this is a film podcast. So I'm just going to go ahead mm-hmm. and talk about it. Oh, of course. Um, but I was admonished not to take part in the South by Southwest virtual festival because I wouldn't be able to sell the film afterwards because why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free and basically Amazon's going to like pop your cherry and then no one else is going to want to fuck you. I'm sorry. That sounds terrible, but like, and that nobody's going to buy the film because it's already sort of been deflowered by being shown on Amazon or whatever. But 10 days only, speaking For of For 10 which, days right? only. And like people, 
And it's almost like they made a pact in the industry where like they just weren't going to touch any of these films. But also I couldn't sell my film for, you know, I've been trying to sell this film and get support for this film the entire time I've been making it. And the film was made for like Mm $100,000. I mean, basically nothing. Um, But I... Even now, you like with, you mean with all post production and everything, right? So, it's, yeah, well, yeah, the, it's going to end up being a little bit more after everything is said and done because I've had to like pay. I have to pay for all this music licensing and da 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 da. But um, I, I can't. I couldn't even get a sales agent. Um, you know, it was the biggest movie. It was trending on Amazon for all ten days. There's more reviews for this movie than there is for LA ninety two, which is one of the best documentaries ever made. And it's been out and it's on Amazon forever. I mean, it's like it doesn't matter. There's for some and especially now, I don't really know what's gonna happen with it. But I do have support. Like I have had like a lot of, you know, kind of influential people like contact me and they'll and people want to watch the film and i you know i'm I'm doing this podcast right now but i can't tell you to go watch the film i mean you could go and i mean this is so again this is i keep telling myself not to do this but you could torrent the film you know i mean which i don't want to tell people to do but if but if it wasn't for that like it would just be dead you know at least Mm -hmm. there's a way for people to keep watching it i'd like to just get it distributed though because there's like you know outside of like people who are kind of culturally deep in like there's a whole massive group of people and like internationally that i'd like to them to get a chance to see it and someone like netflix won't touch it or you Hell can't no. really get it no, no they right. pass mm-hmm. like uh, yeah it's it's mm-hmm. been like it's been tough um and i'm not trying to like get rich off it or anything it's obviously not that kind of movie like you said it's an experimental documentary like but you're not i mean you're not giving up right it's not like all the no. you, you still have some people to talk to like there because there's so many ways now to probably get it distributed besides just netflix and amazon and all those major yeah and i could self i could self-distribute it but i'd have to like raise more money to like pay for the licensing and stuff anyway there's all this red tape too yeah. you know because so many people are invested in the movie but- i guess people some Sometimes almost like do like put it on Vimeo and people can rent it from them. So they, it's not like free and people ready to pay four or five, whatever. Yeah, but I don't own, I don't, I, I had to like give away a lot of my movie just to even get people to work on the movie because I didn't have any money. So I basically had to promise people percentages to the point where my movie is basically, I don't own my movie. So, I mean, Got it. I own like 20% of my movie. So I can't. I don't get to just like make unilateral decisions about like putting it on Vimeo. Like Mm -hmm. um, I have that takes, you know, this was all sort of all these agreements were kind of predicated upon that I would sell the movie. And it's sort of, it's sort of a strange catch 22 because if I hadn't done the Amazon thing, Mm -hmm. um, nobody would have seen the movie probably. So it's been like a successful movie. And now I have people like wanting to to develop. I'm developing a bunch of new scripts. I have a lot. I'm get. I got a lot of clout. Um, like, you know, working on a series and working on a a written. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Both. All of it. Like I'm, I'm doing all kinds of shit, but that feel when a girlfriend is just basically, sitting there you know and the only way for people to watch it is if i send them a screener or Mm -hmm. if you know they pirate it so yeah it's sort of it's been it's been weird um 
but it'll, but it's it'll almost, come there's out. Some, yeah. But it's also, there's something almost, um, I mean, not ironic, poetic. but you know, poet, poetic, I would say, yeah. Yeah, right. Because, you know, it's like a movie about this like online kind of underworld to some degree. And it's like now in there somewhere, no one can find it. So it almost makes it more kind of interesting, and, desirable, I guess, for people yeah. to And if I could or, just put it out and just give it away for free, I could. But it's like, again, like I yeah. said, it's like, I, I can't because I don't own the rights to everything in the film. Um, so I have to go out. I could go out of pocket for that and like somehow I could like crowdfund it. I don't know, man. It's yeah. it's going to it's going to work out. It doesn't help that like the world is like on fire or whatever. Like that's not like so I'm giving my I'm giving myself I'm giving myself a break. And I appreciate when people like like you invite me to come and talk about it so that I can kind of keep it alive um again congr- congratulations with your film Thank i hope you you'll so get much. distributor sooner or later it's gonna and, be uh, back online it's gonna be back online soon and like i'm working on a lot of stuff so um you know this you they haven't heard the last of me <laughs> yeah the future is bright 